This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. So um, we are going to continue on uh, talking about ministering to the family. Ministering, I'm talking about ministering to the soul, implementing the solution. So we're going to get started in this. Um, today I'm probably not going to give you a lot of review because we have a lot to go over. And, and I want to try to get, get this in because it all connects. And I want to make sure we get this in today. So the purpose of this teaching, if you've been following on, it's the purpose that Minister Martin gave you in his. It's to find out how to address struggles with wrong thoughts and depression in marriage after the newness wears off and things aren't what you thought they would be. It's also how to handle struggling with a midlife crisis. And understand, you can have a midlife crisis or feeling inadequate or think you're missing out on something. That's just not for married people. That happens to married people and unmarried people alike. So these are things that anybody can struggle with. Also, you want to learn how to control your thoughts and how to identify when you're too hard on yourself and you're too hard on others. Let's go over to Proverbs chapter 4. Understand when we talk about how to address struggles, um, I know I haven't said it specifically, but I kind of thought, you know, I took it for granted, so I'm not going to take it for granted. The purpose of this, we're talking about how do you deal with these things? What do you do? And we're talking about God's method. We're not talking about the world's method. We're not talking about um, any guru or any of those people you see and all these types of things. We're not talking about that. We may say things, and you heard people who are not believers say these things, and they mesh. Believe me, it, they got it from God. But listen, you, these things are only successful within the confines of being in God, being in Christ. You may be able to put on an air, kind of show forth things, but in your heart, if you really haven't changed and you haven't grasped these things and put them in your heart, then they're really not going to manifest the way that they should be, okay? So understand, we're looking at God's method. I'm going to say some things today, and keep this in your mind. You can write this down just somewhere so you can see it throughout the, the, the teaching. What do I want? Because it's all about what you want. Now, you can want something, but you can decide you want something else even more. You know, like, um, I want to get up and run a mile, but I also want to sleep. Which one do I want more? I want to sleep more. I'm going to tell you all the answer for me. I want to sleep more. So guess what? I'm going to sleep. I'm not going to run that mile. Now, people tell me the benefits of running. I'm not going to get those even though I want them because I want something more. So if you want something more than you want God, that's what you're going to have. So actually, because I, I want to get to that point in this teaching, Proverbs 4, through, uh, four we're going to read verses 20 through 27, and we're just going to take off from there. This is our foundational scripture here. It says, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a forward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. 
Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. And we were talking about, you know, we're talking about implementing the solution. These things are happening in your life and you're wondering, okay, I don't know. I know the problem is I'm not focusing what I'm, what I'm supposed to be focusing on. There are things that aren't where they're supposed to be. So what is the solution? The solution is the word of God. But the thing about it is you have to make an effort to get God's word. Not only do you have to make an effort to get it, you have to accept it as truth and act on that. So you have to do that, and then you can't just do that once. You have to do it consistently. You have to keep the, the word ever before your eyes. It has to be in plain sight. Think of something that you have. Okay, here it is. Think of your phone. Think of how often you have your phone in a place where you can get to it within two seconds. That's the way the word of God has to be in your life. It has to be readily accessible. It can't be underneath all the other things in your life. It can't be underneath your bills. It can't be underneath running after your children. It can't be underneath worrying about whatever you're worrying about. It has to be readily accessible. When we have the word in our heart, it affects what we think, what we say, what we do. It affects our life. It affects how we live. So in this teaching, I have three objectives. We're going to talk about how to, well, we talked about how to appropriately apply faith in the Word of God in our lives. We're in the midst of talking about how to create and maintain the proper atmosphere, environment in our life. And then we're going to talk about once you get those things set up, how do you continue? Because this is not something you do once. This is something you put into practice and you continue. So to properly apply the Word of God, I have to make sure I'm believing the right thing. So faith is actively push, putting forth what you believe in. It's the activity of what you believe. Faith is perceiving something as real and truth that maybe you don't perceive it at, um, by your senses. So when we have faith, we don't have faith for things we can perceive with our senses. We have faith for those, those things we don't see. Those things we don't necessarily, can, cannot necessarily touch. When you have faith, your faith, there should be some action behind it. So if what you say you believe is not backed up by corresponding actions, then those deeds and obedience, then there's going to be no power. The thing about it is what you say you believe you're going to act, well, what you believe you're going to act on. Now, that, not, that may not be what you say you believe, though. You may say, and I think I use this example, I may say I believe it's going to rain but I don't bring an umbrella or anything to protect me from the rain. I'm acting on what I actually believe, which is I don't think it's going to rain. Or maybe, here's an even better one, I don't think the rain's going to affect me. That's an unrealistic expectation. When it rains, it rains on the just and the unjust. Get that in your head. Don't, don't, don't fall for those things. So that's why we see, we see the promises of God. We see that God is saying we should have successful lives. This is the domestic life of the Christian. This is how I've set this up. This is how it's supposed to be in the family. And we hear those things and it sounds great, but somehow we're living in lives that don't match that. Because what we actually believe is not actually what, what, what we believe is not what we actually are acting on. We're acting on some other things. And we went over to 1 Corinthians, and we're not, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're not going to say that today, look at that today, but what we're acting on is we're acting on these strongholds 
these imaginations, these reasonings, all these things that aren't the word of God, but we're acting on those. And what we need to do is we have to pull those down. We have to pull those down with the word of God. So that means that you've got to hear the word, and then when you hear the word, you've got to obey the word. You've got to be a hearer and a doer of the word. Because the word of God is not a suggestion. The word of God is what you build your foundation of your life on. And everything that is, you build that foundation and everything else goes on that foundation. If it doesn't fit that foundation, it's not a part of your life. So if the word of God is the foundation, then guess what? You've got to go after the word. You can't be lazy. You can't be lackadaisical. Once again, it has to be paramount. It has to be the priority in your life. Once you get the word, you can't just, once again, you're a hearer, so you hear the word. Then you have to get understanding. You have to get proper understanding of where the, what, what, what is this word saying? What is God saying to me? And if I want to know what God is saying to me, I need to ask him. So that means I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God for understanding. I'm going to ask God for wisdom. I can't assume that my finite mind can understand an infinite God without his help, without his assistance. So I'm going to go to him, and once again, I'm going to God for his assistance. He does not need help from me. I'm going to him. So my attitude towards him is going to be an attitude of humility. And then it's going to be an attitude of trust. When you pray, you're you're not praying wishing that God does something. When you go to God and ask him for something, you have to believe that he has that for you and that he's going to give it to you. See, there's another thing in your belief. If you're not believing that, you're just going in and you're just praying. That's like a wish. That's a hope. You're just like, God, maybe, maybe you'll do this for me. And God will say it, I will. But do you believe I'll do it for you? Why are you coming to me all wishy-washy? And God's like, don't do that. Come, come to me in faith. Do you believe I am who I say I am? Do you believe I'll give you wisdom? He told you in James. He said, James, I'm going to ask me for wisdom. I'll give it to you liberally. And I won't upbraid you for it. So you've got to believe that. So then you go to God and you ask for wisdom. Then... You've got to go after that. You've got to seek that wisdom so that you can have the life that God has called you to do, calling you have. You don't want to leave your life up to just chance and luck and all these different things. When you're seeking God and his wisdom, that means that you're concerned about your own destiny. You're concerned about getting your life the way God wants it to be, and you're not leaving it up to chance. So you're looking and you're going after his counsel and his word. So then we got into um, part two here, our second thing, second point, which is how to create and maintain the proper atmosphere or environment in our lives. So we can't have a successful life if we don't foster the right environment. Last week I used the example of you don't find a cactus in a rainforest because that's not where a cactus grows. Those, those conditions aren't conducive to a cactus. You may see a little baby one, but it's never going to grow to its to the fullest potential. It's never going to do what it's supposed to do because it's not supposed to be there. Same way with our lives. We can't expect godly lives and have ungodly surroundings. And we're going to get into this. The wholeness of me, and put this in your notes, the wholeness of me or the wholeness of myself, all of me has to be submitted to God. There is no area of me And make it personal. There's no area of me that's off limits to God. There's no area of me that's off limits to God. Every part of me must be submitted to and obedient to God and his standard. 
So every part of me must be submitted to, submitted to and obedient to God and his standard. Now, I want to make sure, because I use the conjunction there, God and his standard. God and his standard are one. But I'm saying it this way so you understand that, that you, you understand there's more than just saying I'm submitted to God. Oh, I can say it with my mouth, but I have to also be submitted to and obeying what he says, his standard. This is the way, some, this is the way we do this. God says, this is how this works. I'm submitted and I obeyed it. I'm obedient to that. So, when, when we say that, so every part of me is submitted to God. There's no area of my life that's off limits to him. That means there, there's where we're going to have to pull down those walls. That's where we're going to have to pull down those strongholds. Because so, there are some areas in our lives that we have not allowed God access into. We may have given him a little bit, but we haven't given him all. So you're going to have to pull those things down, and that is going to be work. But listen, don't be afraid of the work. Don't be afraid to go through the process. Because, let me tell you, it's going to yield the fruit that you want, that God wants, and you're going to enjoy it. So... In order to do that, the first thing we talked about, we got in, this is kind of where we left off last week. You have to renew your mind and discipline your flesh. So let's go over to 2 Timothy chapter 1. So we've got to renew our mind. We've got to change what we think about. Then we've got to change how we deal with, um, so shall we say, our emotions and our desire. Desires, we've got to change that. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, going to read verse 7 here. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So we were looking at this last week, and we talked about a sound mind means a disciplined mind, self-control. It means something that's under control. So God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. So I don't have to be fearful or timid when challenging the thoughts and dealing with my flesh. So, when things come in, I don't have to take a step back because God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. See, a lot of times when we see that, we think of things that we automatically um, say that we're not so good at or we're a little shy about. Like, some people don't like to speak publicly. I'm afraid to speak in public, but God hasn't given me the spirit of fear. No, he hasn't. In the same way he hasn't given you the spirit of fear to challenge that, he's also given you not giving you the spirit of fear to challenge those thoughts and those emotions that are going on in your mind. So, knowing that, so first of all, you have to believe that. If you don't believe that, I'm going to read the scripture again. If you don't believe this, for God has not given us the spirit of fear. He hasn't given you, he hasn't given me the spirit of fear. But he's given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. So if I believe that, I can actively apply self-discipline based on his standards. I can follow and be led by the Holy Spirit, and I can live my life based on the Word of God. So I can have that self-discipline. So let's go over to Proverbs chapter 5. And this is really where we, I want to get into. We, we looked at this a little last week. So we've got to put some parameters on our life. We just can't let everything in. We can't think everything. Everything doesn't go. So Proverbs chapter 25, let me get over there. Proverbs 
Proverbs chapter 25, we're going to look at verse 28. It says, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. So back at that time, the cities, they would build walls. And that was a fortification, so um, it would be harder to attack them. Now, if you don't have any rule over your own spirit, if you don't have any self-control, you are like a city with no walls. That means anything, anybody can come in and attack you. In fact, probably multiple attacks because it's multiple sides. So when you don't have self-control, you leave yourself open to sudden invasions of evil attacks and evil thoughts. You leave yourself open to falling to temptation because you lack self-control. When you lack self-control, you set yourself up for trouble. So how do we gain self-control? What do we do? Notice it's self-control. That means that it's your self. You have to make the control. First of all, you're going to have to build a perimeter. In 2 Corinthians, we talked about those strongholds. We talked about that fortress that was against the word of God being built up and that we needed to tear that down. Now, we don't tear it down and leave nothing up. We build up the perimeter of the word of God. So we take the word and we build that, that, that fortress, that fortification that we have something to work inside of. In that, we take the word of God and it is the dividing line of what gets in and what stays out. The line, it has to be definite, it has to be clear because God's not wishy-washy. He's going to tell you this is what is acceptable, this is what's not acceptable. So we adhere to his standards and his will. God's going to give you the details and then you need to act on that. You need to tell, when he tells you, you need to do what he tells you to do. So, in that, notice I'm saying do. I'm giving you a lot of action words because you're going to have to have some action in this. And this is internal. We're going to start internally first. And we talked about this, the active mind versus the passive mind. And we're going to talk about active mind versus passive mind, but then we're just going to talk about active versus passive because you're going to have to do it internally and you're going to have to do it externally. So let's go over to Proverbs chapter 13. And we're going to look at verse 4. So Proverbs chapter 13 verse 4 says, The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. So think about me in that example of running. I'm the sluggard because I don't want to run. I say I want to, but I'm not going to get up and do anything. But those who get up and do it, they're going to get the benefits. In the New Living Translation, it says, Lazy people want much but get little, but those who work hard will prosper. So, if I want a godly thought life, I'm going to have to work at it. I've got to put forth the effort. So, that's where we talk about the active versus the passive. Passive, it means I'm allowing or accepting things to just happen or anything or what people do. And I'm not actively resisting or um, responding to it. It's just coming in. A passive mind allows any thought or emotion to take residence in their mind and heart without examining it based on the word of God. We don't want a passive mind. A passive mind is that mind that, that has no walls. It has no fortification. So if you're wondering, wait a minute, why can't I stand in my time of temptation? Why am I always attacked by these thoughts that depress me and pull me down and I can't do anything because they're, they're debilitating to my life? Check your thoughts. 
Now, you say, wait a minute, what, I, I recognize that. I recognize that in my life. Maybe it's not all the time, but maybe it's enough that you recognize it. When I, said you, when I made that statement, you say, whoa, that's me. So what you need is you need an active mind. Active means you're engaged in active action. It's characterized by energetic work or participation. So an active mind, it examines the thoughts and the emotions based on the standard of God. It's prepared to challenge the thoughts and emotions that come in. Something comes in and you're like, whoa, where did that thought come from? Does that thought align with the word of God? Wait a minute. I just had that feeling when so-and-so said something to me or something happened. Why did I have that feeling? Is that the feeling I'm supposed to have? That takes effort. And it takes internal self-reflection. This is going to, you're going to have to do this work. Most of this work, all of this work is going to be done between you and God. You're going to be, these thoughts are going to be, because like the other, yesterday I had a thought and I thought, that was the stupidest thought. That, oh, that is not me. But that was me challenging that thought. I said, that's not my, that's not a thought. That's not what I'm supposed to have. But I, I, I couldn't let that thought come in and take, uh, take residence. See, the thing about it is, Remember, we have an adversary. And the devil, he tries to bring those thoughts. The devil only brings you lies. Listen, he may bring you something that, you, that looks like truth, but it's a lie. He, he, he's, he's changed it enough so it's, well, he's changed it. And when you change the truth, it's a lie. It's a lie. So the devil comes in and he brings in a lie. And he wants you to believe that lie. So he'll say, you know... What you're going through, nobody else is going through. This is so hard. There's no way you're going to make it. And you'll say, there is no way I'm going to make it. I don't see anybody else going through what I'm going through. I'm not going to make it. So now, guess what? Nobody else is, you, this is what you believe. Nobody else is going through it. I'm not going to make it. You believe that. You take that. You internalize it. You believe it. And now guess how you're acting. You're acting like nobody's going through what I'm going through. There's no way I'm going to make it. So, the devil will tell you, let's say you do this. Let's say tomorrow you get this, you are, you are on it. You are challenging those thoughts, and then Tuesday comes and you don't challenge one, and it, it stays. The devil will say, see, you can't do this. This is way too hard. And you'll say, yeah, I just failed. What? Wait a minute. That's not how we challenge the thought. But the devil will tell you that because he doesn't want you to challenge those thoughts. Because when you start to challenge those thoughts, guess what? When you bring the word of God in, you know what? When, you know, God says, if, if I fall, I have an advocate. That's the word I'm going to bring up. And the devil like, don't do that because now you're building up that, that perimeter. Now you're letting God's word in and you're pushing his word, his, his word out. That the devil's way. You're pushing that out. The thing about it is don't make that lie your own. Don't internalize it. The first time that thought comes in, you've got to challenge it with the word. You've got to take that, word, take that thought and then take the word of God and compare it to the word of God. So how do I challenge or how do I control my thought life? The first thing is you have to identify what God says about the matter. You've got to understand and you've got to get his standard. You gotta see what he says of how to deal with this, what he says on this. This is why it's so important to be diligent about hearing and understanding the word. 
Because if you don't hear and understand the word, you don't have this first step. You can't go to the second step without the, step, without the first step. So, you've got to have God's word. You've got to understand his standard. You've got to know what he says about it. Once you know that, when that thought comes up, you've got to say, wait a minute. That doesn't align with the truth. That doesn't align with God's word. God's word. So the second thing you do is you take that, you take your thoughts, all of your thoughts, and align them with the word of God. You align them with the word. If it does not line up, it has to be perfectly aligned. It has to right under. It can't be a little bit to, over in, in Proverbs. I'm not going to go to the right. I'm not going to go to the left. I'm going to stay straight with what God says. So I will align my thoughts with the word of God. When something comes in, I'm going to challenge that. You know, everything, it comes in and I'm like, wait a minute. Does that align with the word of God? Oh, yes, it does. Okay. That doesn't align with the word of God. Oh, well, no. Well, you know, okay, here's one. I was thinking about this. So, you know, unmarried people, we don't have sex. That's fornication. That's a sin. So... If I, as an unmarried woman, am thinking about having sex with somebody, that does not align with the Word of God. So guess what? i got to kick that out. Now, Sister Whitfield is a married woman. She has a different set of thoughts that she can have with, about her husband. It has to align with the Word of God. You cannot sit up here and say, well, uh, if I'm married, I can have sex, but you're not. There's the if. So you're wondering... Why you're not successful when the temptation comes. And you say, I haven't had a temptation uh, about sex. You really have because you're thinking about it. But you got the temptation to lie to your parents so you can sneak out the house. Which, guess what that's going to lead to? It's going to lead to sex. You can write it down today. Write it down in your notes. Put the date on it. And then when you start crying because you, 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 you're like, oh, my God, I didn't mean to do this. I never thought I'd do this. I never thought I'd hurt you like this, God. Go back. Where were your thoughts? Align those thoughts with the Word of God. Same thing, you're married. You, you don't get to look at other people other than your spouse in a sexual way. That is not, that's not what you do. That's not who you are. You know, you look at the Word and you find out what a husband is. You find out what God says a wife is. And you align your thoughts with those things. You wonder why your wife doesn't trust you. You may not be saying these things, but she sees you looking at these women. You're wondering why your husband doesn't trust you. He sees you looking at these men. He sees you all googly-eyed and looking up and tilting your head. Come on, we all know what that's about. Don't play with me. Don't play with me. You can't allow those things. And you say, well, well, Sister Castillo, it was just a look. It was just a thought. But it was an unchallenged look. It was an unchallenged thought, which leads to something else. Look, the enemy is playing the wind. That he's playing to win the whole game. See, you're just thinking about this little inning or this little quarter. The enemy's like, no, I got, I got this set. You're thinking about right now, I'm looking 15, down, 15 years down the road, and I'm setting you up. And God is saying, guess what? I see down 15 years down the road, too. Follow me, and I'll make sure you won't be set up like that. I'll set you up for success. So we've got to figure out, we have to know what to think on. So go over to Proverbs, excuse me, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, we have to know what to think on. Because, you know, you have a lot of thoughts. Thoughts just go through your head a lot. And they're moving at the speed of, faster than the speed of light. So we've got to make sure 
that we have the right things in our mind. So Proverbs, excuse me, Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those are the things we think on. So guess what? I got to find out what is true. God is truth. Right? God is true. His word is true. I've got to find out what things are lovely, what things are of good report. That's why we study. That's why we come to and we hear the word. You have to know what God is saying. You can't just make it up. can't be your own definition. So a lot of times, so, so you have to know what to think on. We hear these things, and it, you have these, I forget what they call them, the positive affirmations. And, and positive affirmations are fine, but what you don't want to do is you don't want to deny something is happening. So, let's say, here's a good one. Let's say you're depressed. You can't say, I'm not depressed if you're depressed. That's denying it. The thoughts. The feelings, these emotions, guess what? They are real. You are having them. The thoughts in your mind, you're having those thoughts. If you're sad, you're sad. Yeah, these things can change, but they are there. Most of the time, they're based on how you perceive what's going on in your life, how, how you're processing things, but they're there. But here's the thing. Just because they are there and they are real and you're going through them does not mean that they are truth. A lot of times, especially when you're, when you're having, um, when, when, when you're going through, right? Isn't that how you say when you're going through? These things are going on in your mind, and they are contrary to the Word of God. So that means that that's not truth. So that's why we have the Word of God on the situation. There are times in your life where you're going to be confused. There you're going to have uncertainty. And guess what? You, you're there. You're, you, you're uncertain about some things. You're confused about some things. What we don't do is we don't act on those feelings. We don't act on those emotions. So many times that's gotten so many people in things that they shouldn't be in because they were confused. They were uncertain. They didn't have the answer. And they kept that. They internalized it. So guess what? When I have that feeling, I'm going to go to God and I'm going to say, God, you're not the author of confusion. And you are my father. So, so help me with this. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to internalize that and keep that and live a life of uncertainty and confusion. I'm going to go to God. Because the thing about it is our emotions and our thoughts, they're subject to change. Sharp, sudden changes. All of a sudden you could be sitting here and you, everything could be going good. And then you see something that reminds you of a, a horrible time in your life and now all of a sudden you're sad. And then you smell something that reminds you of a time when you were a child and you had a good time, now you're happy again. So that's how our emotions and our thoughts go. That's why we can't base our life off that. We can't live our life off that. That can't be the foundation. The foundation of our lives have to be, has to be the Word of God. We have to be led by the Spirit. And you're looking at this and you're probably saying, that's a lot to do. That's a lot of stuff. Can I actually do that? You necessarily can't do it on your own, but guess what? You have the Holy Spirit. 
And the Holy Spirit in you will lead you and will guide you. All you got to do is follow and obey. Let's go over to Galatians chapter 5. So we're not going to be led by our emotions. We're not going to be led by our feelings. We're going to be led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Says Galatians, we're going to go to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So, if the Holy Spirit is in my heart. That seed is in my heart. Guess what the fruit is? Guess what the fruit that comes out? It's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Temperance, that's that self-control. You're going to have to allow the Spirit to work in your life. If you allow the Spirit to work in your life, you can develop self-control. You, here's the thing. You're going to have to uh, develop some discipline and some self-control because guess what? This is, this is a walk. You're going to have to do this the rest of your life. And you're not always going to feel like doing it. You're not always going to be motivated. So that's why you're going to have to develop this. You have to have temperance because you can't let your flesh have, don't give your flesh a centimeter. Because you can't appease your flesh. It's like, you know, think about your favorite food. If you could eat your favorite food all the time with no bad benefits, no bad uh, repercussions, you would. You would. You may just choose five favorites. And that's, what, that's all you, and you'd eat as much as you could. You'd be eating it now if you could. But that's your flesh. So you can't let your flesh have control like that. You can't, you can't give it anything. So you can't let it get out of control. You can't give it an inch. You can't appease it. Because as soon as you say, oh, you can have one, it's going to say, well, let's have two. Well, why would you just have two? Just have four. Why would you just go one earlier? Why would you just kiss them? Why don't you touch them? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? That's the way your flesh is going to lead you into those things. So you can't be led by your flesh and you can't be led by your emotions. You're going to have to control your emotions. So you're going to have to control your thoughts. And then you're going to have to control your emotions. Go over to Proverbs chapter 16. So, we all have emotions. There's nothing wrong with having emotions. There's nothing wrong with laughing. There's nothing wrong with crying. All those things, it's fine to have emotions. But we're just not going to be controlled by our emotions. So, Proverbs chapter 16 says, uh, verse 32, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh the city. So somebody who is slow to anger, who controls that anger, is better than a strong person, a mighty man. He that ruleth his spirit, who he can keep his emotions under control, is greater than somebody that can take a city. So wait a minute, you mean these internal things that I'm handling gives, makes me stronger? Because there's a difference in having an emotion and being controlled by an emotion. Like I said earlier, we all have emotions. We all get upset. We all feel sad sometimes. We all get happy. All those are emotions, but we're not led by those emotions. You know, this, this happens a lot, especially in family relationships. 
You feel a certain way. Let's say you had a bad day. You come home and you're short with people. You're yelling. You, you, you don't feel good. So instead of you just handling your business, taking some time away, you start yelling at people or you're just short with them or you say something that's rude. And now you've acted off that emotion. But the thing about it is you acted off that emotion and you sent it out to somebody else. So now they've received that action of your anger. You're not even mad at them, but they receive that. You might be, but you, they still receive that anger. Sometimes people may throw it back at you, and that's where you get these arguments. That's where you get these big blow-ups. Sometimes people are like, hey, I'm not even getting in that mess. You know, they, they're like, I'm, I'm done with that. I'm going to walk away. But what happens is you sent that out. You, you, you pushed that out. The person, after a while, people are going to be like, you know, they're, they're just really, I can't deal with them. Every time I say something to them, if I say something to them on a Tuesday and traffic was bad, they yell at me. So you know what? I'm just not, not going to talk to them on Tuesday. You know, and after a while, it's just like, I can't deal with that. And you wonder why you don't have the relationships in your family. You're acting off those emotions. So you can't do that. Like I said, it's okay to have an emotion. It's okay. You may have had a bad day. And, and, you know, I don't have children. I don't have a spouse. I don't know, you know, I don't know how you work in your family. But, you know, figure out a way to say, hey, you know, give mom just two minutes. You know, give, give me 30 seconds just to decompress, and then we can talk about this. Don't, don't act rashly and hurt someone's feelings or hurt someone you love just because you're having a bad time. You know, figure it out. Ask God. Ask God. He'll give you wisdom. So you're going to control your thoughts. You're going, to, you're going to set some discipline in your life. And that's internally. So now externally, what are we going to do? Externally, you're going to set up some parameters for yourself and for other people. So remember, this is still active. First thing we're going to talk about is controlling the tongue. Your tongue. When I say that, not only do I mean your verbal communication. This is also your nonverbal communication, your body language, the rolling of the eyes. The, oh, my goodness. That is the stupidest thing anybody can ever say. I don't even know how you live. You're so stupid. You know, you don't say that, but your face is saying it. You know, I'm telling you, that's why, that's why your camera's off when you're working from home. Cause you make, I know it's my mind's off because I'm making all them faces. Like, this is the stupidest thing. But we have to control that. Go to Proverbs chapter 13 again. I know. It's like, what? It's work. But guess what? The Holy Spirit lives inside of you, so you can do this. You can do it. So Proverbs chapter 13. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. Some of us need to write this down, type it, and put it everywhere we go. So, And you can say, he that keepeth his his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. And you can remember that. That's what I'm saying. Write it down. Look at it. So right before you're about to say what you shouldn't say, wait a minute. I'm not going to say that because I want to keep my life. Everything does not need to be said. Even it may be true. It may be the word of God, but that doesn't need it means it needs to be said, and definitely may need to be said, but not now. So you're going to have to practice some temperance. Some things may be true. They may be necessary, but it may not be the time to say it. Remember, you've got to control your emotions. There may be something you need to tell somebody, but right now you are mad at them. You can't tell them right then. You're going to have to practice 
some discretion on what you say and when you say it. You're not, listen, your words, the, the Bible talks about the tongue. Your words are weapons. They can be used as weapons. They can be used as tools to build up. But what you say and what you, when you say it, that's going to determine what it is. You've got the word of God. You can decide to use it the proper way. Once again, that's why we go and we ask God. We get discernment. Or you can choose to use it the wrong way. Let's go over to Proverbs chapter 29. And we're going to look at verse 11. And this is what the Bible says. I'm reading what the Bible says, so don't get mad at me when you, when you read it. A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it, keepeth it in till afterwards. So what this is saying is, we're going to have to exercise some meekness. That's power under control. You may know what should be said, but it may not be the time to say it. You've got to look at your motivation. Why, why are you saying that? So you're talking to your spouse and you're saying some things. And you're, you're maybe giving the word. But are you giving the word out of a motivation of, I just want to be right. I want to show you how spiritual I am. Are you using, once again, you're using the word as a weapon because you're frustrated and you want to show them you don't know. Or you just want to vent. You just want to throw all these things out there and, and you want to say all this stuff, but it's right. It's right to do and they're wrong and you're just saying all these different things. But what's your motivation? So let's say you did that. Let's say you threw that. You said, well, this is what the word of God says on the situation. And you, had, you may not even say it with that much attitude, but you said it. And in your heart, you had that attitude. What seed did you just plant? Did you plant the seed of love of the word of God? Or did you plant a seed of self-righteousness? Guess what? Whatever you planted is what you're going to get back. Look and see what you're getting. That's what you're planting. It's the the principle of sowing reap. It's not going to change just because you want it to. Then the next thing you got to do. Okay. We got our verbal and our nonverbal. And here's another one. I don't necessarily know where to categorize. I guess it's kind of verbal, kind of nonverbal. Our social media, our emails, our text, whatever. Listen. Oh, my goodness. Y'all. My family. Learn how to use what's given to you. Social media is a tool. It can be used for good things. But don't go out there and air all your laundry. Don't go out there telling everybody everything. Don't go out there, once again, don't use that as a weapon to tell people that they're wrong or show that you're so righteous or just telling all your business out there. That's not, and listen, you don't have to tell everybody your business. If people kind of know you, your friends with them on social media and they see something, you're like, well, what you doing putting that up there? You know, think, think about it. You, you, have, a, you have time. Before you post, Type it out and walk away. Walk away for about 15 minutes. Don't think about getting ready to post it. Just give yourself what a little cooling down time. And see, this is easier because it's not like in heat of the moment. You know, just stop. Maybe some people just need to, to just take a break from those things. And I'm not even, you need to take a break from texting. Text only when necessary. Um, you need to take a break from the phone. All of it, emailing, social media. You may just need to take a break and, and get a reset. Because 
you're using it the wrong way. You know, you just are. Just talk to God about it because I, I have no time left. But you, you've, got, you've got to stop doing those things because what happens is your motivation, you may not know it's wrong, but your motivation is not where God wants it to be. Your focus is not where God wants it to be. So what's happening is you're doing all these things and then you're saying, but God, this is the word of God. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. But you don't have your heart and your thoughts and your emotions under control. So you're getting what you've actually planted, not what you say you're actually doing. And I hope that makes sense. But we'll talk about it a little bit more next week because I am out of time. And God is faithful. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at Living Water